Here's what I know. I don't know all of you personally, but here's what I do know. I know most of you have some kind of influence over the next generation. All of you have some kind of influence over the next generation. I, 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 let me stop for a second. I, I didn't do something. I need to honor somebody. Can you all help me honor somebody? I got my best friend in the world. Their family is with us. From Y'all remember him. He's been here umpteen times and preached on this stage. His name is Pastor Chuck Barino from Tulsa, Oklahoma. His wife, Stephanie, Micah, Aiden, and Aaliyah are with us today, hanging out on the front row. We love y'all. Thank you for being here. We're honored to have you. Pastor Chuck will be back with us in October, September, October. He's preaching sometime this year uh, on this stage, so we're honored to have him. Just They're on vacation, and they were like, we want to come and see Radiate. We want to be a part of Radiate. So uh, let's make sure we high-five them and love on them today as our guests as, as well. I know you have some kind of influence over the next generation. I know you may not have kids. You may not even have grandkids. You may not have any, but maybe you have a niece or a nephew. Maybe you're a mentor or a tutor to somebody in the next generation. And at Radiate Church, I've already said this a million times, and I'm going to continue beating this drum, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again. We are committed to the next generation no matter what. We will do whatever we have to do to continuously reach more and more kids and students in the next generation. That's why we have contractors figuring out how to build rooms back here. And we'll come to you with that information in the future. That's why Radiate Kids was one of the first ministries that we ever funded at Radiate Church. That's why we continue to put resources in Radiate Kids and into Tribe, our middle school and high schoolers. The truth is we are committed to the next generation because we are committed to changing the world. It doesn't start with us or end with us. It continues with us. And so what I want to talk about, I don't know if you've realized it, the world's a little crazy right now. Come on. Let's just ease the tension. Some of y'all were like, I don't know if I can laugh at that. We can laugh at that. There's crazy things happening in the world today. You know what I'm saying? Like COVID happened and, uh, when it peaked and you ran out of toilet paper and toilet paper had nothing to do with COVID. That's weird. You got all kinds of theology and mentalities and all this stuff going on in the world today. You're told how you're supposed to feel. You're told you don't love somebody if you don't agree with what they think. Can I just bunk that real quick? That's not true. In fact, love is not tested until there's disagreement. It's easy to love somebody you always agree with. My wife and I don't always agree, but I love her. The truth is, love is in disagreement. You're told all these things, and listen, we're putting innocent minds and souls into this world. And I think it's a question that we all ask, but maybe we're afraid to kind of get out publicly and go, I don't know how to prepare the next generation for the world that we live in today because most of us adults, we don't even know how to get ready for the world that we live in today. We don't even know what to think. We don't even know what to stand on. And can I tell you, when all else fails, the only thing you have to stand on is the Word of God. You got the foundation and the rock of Christ. Always stand on that. Filter everything through this. Don't filter this through everything. Are you with me today? Scripture is only as good as what you do with it. You can memorize it all day. Spiritual maturity is how do you live it. That's what it looks like. And so we're in this thing, and how do we do this? How do we change the world? How do we raise the next generation? And as I thought about it, there's one common denominator for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, administrators, mentors, uh, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, whatever it is. We all want the next generation 
We all want people that we have influence over to walk in the promise God's given them. That's our goal. That's all we really want. Like my kids, I got an 11-year-old you saw up here on stage. I got an 8-year-old that was up here. And I got a 4-year-old that was dancing right here. I got... They, I don't know what their promise is. I know what I'd love for them to do, but as long as they follow God, I'll be okay with it. If they want to be CEOs of companies, they can be CEOs of companies. If they want to be teachers, they can be teachers. If they want to be preachers, I'll go get them counseling and then figure out what they want to do. But the, No, I'm just kidding. It's the greatest job in the world. If they want to be preachers, that's great. Whatever they want to do, I just want them to do what God has set apart for them to do. And as I started thinking about it, the reality is the way we prepare the next generation and our generation for the world today is we teach people how to walk in the promise God has for them. And as I started thinking about that and I started kind of going through that, I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read verses 30 through 33, just three verses today are where the message is coming from. But I want to give you some backstory. And what's happening here is Moses has just led, um, or not just, but he's led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, right? Brody was talking about that with the plagues and Pharaoh. He just led them out of Egyptian slavery. God has told them that he's going to lead them to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be a great place, a beautiful place, an amazing place that they're going to go to. And he's told them, I'm going to give it into your hands. In other words, you're not even really going to have to fight for it. It's just going to be there. You're going to have it. I'm going to give it to you. How many of you, I know the jackpot was like $1.2 billion this past weekend, right? Some of y'all are like, you were talking about gambling in church? Calm down. Pray for me. We'll be good. Um, how many of you, if I said, I'll just give it to you, you don't have to play it, you don't have to spend money on it, you don't have to do it. How many of you would be like, yeah, I'm right here. I got that, right? Yeah, I'll take it. Hey, after the payout, it's only like $600 million, but I'll give it to you. Right? I, okay, right here. That's essentially what God's doing. I'm going to give you the jackpot. You're not even really going to have to work for it. And so Moses goes, and he sends so that they know what they're about to inhabit. He sends spies into the land. And we're going to read the report of what takes place when the spies get back to the Israelites. Watch this, verses 30 through 33. It says, then Caleb, Caleb was one of the spies, quieted the people before Moses. Basically, he goes, hey, hush, shh, shh, shh. I, I know Stranger Things episode was amazing last week. I get it. Just be quiet for a minute. Listen to what I got to say. And they're like, I'd rather talk about Yellowstone. I don't care about John Dutton. Talk about God. Let's talk about this, okay? And he said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we will surely, what? Overcome it. Keep going. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him, so his posse, his crew, his group was with him. We are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel, this is so crazy, a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in, spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. In verse 33, there also we saw the Nephilim, or the giants, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And I want to give you uh, uh, three points in three ways out of those three verses how we can raise world changers uh, in the world today. But the first thing you have to realize before we get to those three thoughts and three points and three practices is this. you got to understand that your ceiling is their floor. Did you, did you hear what I said? Your cap out 
Your tap out, your most, your maximum potential is where your kids will stand. Let me put it like this. The character you exhibit on a consistent basis within the confines of your home that your niece, nephew, kids, whoever sees is the very character that they will start on. The spiritual practices that I do or do not have in my life are the same ones that my 11, 8, and 4-year-old will stand on to start with. The faith that I say I have, but I live out. How many of you know the faith I say can be different than the faith I live? The faith I live out is the one that they stand on to start. Come on. And we got to understand that first. So I just want you to know that I cannot prepare the next generation for this world today until I've allowed God to prepare me for the world today. Because my ceiling is their floor. And, and, and it create, there's a toxic side of that too because we're in a generation today that we want now what took our parents 75 years to get. Which is why we won't work, save, or go to work uh, and do what we need to do to get it. We just should have it. And we don't want, that's not what we want, but I want them to stand on my character. I want them to stand on my faith. I want them to stand on my practices. I want them to stand on who I am. And sometimes when I think about that, I get really mad at myself because I think I've lowered it too low for my kids. Why don't we raise it? Your grandkids are going to stand on the faith that you exhibit around them. Here's the three practices. You ready? Here we go. The first one is this. We have to learn to believe the best. Oh, come on. We got to believe the best. Verse 30, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people, stopped talking about Netflix, and, and before Moses, and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it. Watch this. For we will surely overcome it. Caleb didn't have a doubt. Caleb had a theological term that I have termed this, hard-headed faith. We got any hard heads in the room? I, right here, right here. This guy, you're not going to raise your hand any higher than me. I'm an incredibly bullheaded, hard-headed guy. When I get my mind set on something, I will run through a wall for that one thing that I got my mind set on. It's just who I am. This is what I do, right? And, 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 but Caleb had a hard-headed faith. See, Caleb went and saw the same giants that they talked about later. But he came back and said, I know what I saw, but I also know what he said. And I got a hard-headed enough faith to where what I saw doesn't change what he said. See, the reality is that some of us, we live by what we see instead of what he says. Can I tell you the greatest opposition to your faith in life is going to be your sight? Did you hear what I said? Your opposition to your faith is your eyes, is what you see. Because what you see will try to talk you out of what he said and what you know that he can do. Well, I see chaos, that's fine, but I also know that God rose from, Jesus rose from the dead and created victory. Victory always wrangles chaos. God is a chaos wrangler. It's just what he does throughout the scripture. Go read the Bible, it's all about it. The truth is, is we got to learn to believe. I think we got enough people in the world today that believe the worst. Come on, let's talk today. I'm not alone in that, right? We got enough people that believe the worst. We got enough people, uh, yours truly included sometimes, that we think the worst about somebody when they cut us off in traffic. If they're not dressed correctly, come on. They're not, they don't look put together. And we make an accusation. It's called judgment. 
You know what I'm saying? We create this reality that's not a reality. It's just an accusation that we've created in a reality. We got enough people that believe the worst. What if we were a people that because we believed by faith and not by sight, because our faith was stronger than what we see, because we believe in what he says, we do believe that everybody matters and everybody has purpose and everybody has promise and everybody, no matter what, has a, has, if they have blood in their body and breath in their lungs, then they have purpose in their spirit from God and for God. What if we believe the best in people instead of the worst and can I tell you the next generation needs people that believe the best in them they've had enough they've grown up hearing about how lazy their generation is come on They've grown up hearing about how bad they're going to be. They've grown up hearing about how Social Security is not going to be there when they get old enough and they're not going to have enough money for this and they're not going to have it. Why don't we just start believing the best and going, I'm just telling you, if you stand on the Word of God, I know what my God can do. I know what Jesus Christ did on the cross and after the cross. I know what He can do. I'm going to believe the best. What if we looked at the next generation and said, I know you're called, you're anointed, you're appointed, and you're called for this season. You're here for such a time as this. What if we started believing the best in them? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't call them up. I mean, they got to eat their Brussels sprouts, right? They got to be honoring and respectful, and you got to instill values in them, and that causes correction. In fact, Proverbs says that anybody that doesn't love correction doesn't really love the Father. I got real quiet with a bunch of adults in this room. We don't like it when God corrects us, and God says, well, that's fine, then you don't really love me because correction comes from love. Oh, y'all got quiet. Anyway, but what if we just looked at him and said, I know what we call you up about, but I want you to know I love you, and I'm proud of you no matter what. I don't care if you hit a home run or strike out every time today. I love you, and I'm proud of you. Who you are is better than what you do. You matter. Let's believe for the best. Number two, let's speak life. They kind of go in together, believe the best, and speak life. In fact, Let's read verse 31 and 32. It says, but the men who had gone up with him. So Caleb is standing with a hard-headed faith. Caleb is standing going, surely we're going to overcome. Surely we're going to walk into that promised land that God told us. And then it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, hey, Caleb, you're crazy. I don't know what you saw that we didn't see, but we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us, man. They've been working out. They've been going to Planet Fitness for six years. We just started last week. They've been on keto, and they look. They got the six-pack to prove it. You know, or whatever it is, like, they're too strong for us. We can't, we can't do that. And then it says this. Watch this. Y'all, this is so key. Verse 32. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Did you see what happened? Caleb was willing to have a hard-headed faith to believe what God says. They saw something scary, and they saw Caleb getting a group of people riled up and ready to take charge of what God said. And they said, no, 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 no. And so they started going over here and going, hey, did you hear what that pastor did over there? Hey, did you hear? Let me tell you about what I saw. See, this is where gossip begins to kill dreams. Hey, let me tell you this. Hey, Caleb is doing his own thing, but I'm telling you, let me do the, 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 you know what the two things that will kill a promise faster than anything are? Doubt and discord. Doubt and discord. Why, why, why the devil, here's the, here's the truth. We, 
if you're saved, I just want you to know the Bible teaches that you have an adversary called the devil who comes after you. And he's trying to come after you and get you away from God. He's trying to turn you in the opposite direction. Can I tell you something? The devil isn't in our details because he gets everybody else in our details. And he's not in our details because he gets me in their details. Discord is the ability to turn people against people. That's why we're more worried about what somebody says on Facebook and we'll argue with people on Facebook rather than pray for them in person. Why are y'all getting quiet? Right? The truth is, is discord. That's what they were doing. They were going, listen, Caleb's lost it. He's crazy. I don't know what he saw that we saw that we didn't see, but I'm telling you, there ain't no way. Those people are too big. Those people are too crazy. They're too strong. They're too great. They're too this. They're too that. We cannot go into what God's promised us. And Caleb's going, yeah, we can. Let's go. And he turns around. There's like two people behind him because they sow discord. Now they're questioning everything. If we don't like that church, if we don't like that person, then we go over there and, do you see what they said? Do you hear, do you see what they posted last week? Do you see what she wore? Oh my God, we can't see how dare she I can't believe it. In doubt, why does the enemy care about you going towards your promise if you're doubting it anyway? The greatest way, he's not gonna destroy the promise, he's just gonna try to distract your path. If he can get you to go, I'm, I'm heading that way, but I just don't know. I don't know. This worship thing, I just don't know. I'm just going to stand here like this anyway and, and just going to. I don't know about life groups, man. I ain't got time for life groups. That's fine. Be distracted by busyness. Be distracted by busyness. And don't have the relationships you need in order to keep you away from doubt. I don't know about serving. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I don't know about this tithing thing. I like my money. I get it. I do too. I, I do too. But I'm just telling you, God can do more with it than I can. See, doubt, when doubt creeps in, it opens the door for problems to take over. Well, I don't know if my wife loves me and she doesn't give me the attention I need. And then all of a sudden you start noticing the other girls walking by a whole lot more. You follow what I'm saying? Doubt and discord come in, and it ruins the promise that he's got for you. And that's what, the, that's what they were doing throughout the Israelites. The other spies were like, hey, I need to tell you. Come here, let me whisper this. Let me tell you what, what's actually going on. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says it like this. There is life or death in the power of the tongue. You can either build or kill. It's your choice. He says, I don't, he says, what you say will build or kill something. Can I tell you, can I take that a step further? It's not just what you say, but everything you do speaks a message. The way you treat others speaks a message. The way you treat your spouse speaks a message. The way you react when somebody greets you speaks a message. Are you with me? The way, let me, let me take it, we're going to school, right? Parents, can I just tell you something? Listen, the way you treat your teacher when your kid earns the grade teaches responsibility or not. You can either teach them you earned the grade, they didn't give it, you need to work harder, or you can teach them, hey, here's what you need to do. Find somebody else to blame until somebody believes you enough to give you what you want. Everything, are you, I'm losing some people today. <laughs> Everything speaks a message, and I'm not the greatest at that. Sometimes my actions speak a message that I don't want them to speak, and I have to go clean it up. Guess what? His mercies are new every single day. 
And the reality is the reason they're new every day is because we're going to get it wrong every day. But his mercy is new because he loves us where we are, but way too much to leave us there. And so we got to get to this thing where we're speaking life. What if we just begin to speak life over the next generation? What if we begin to speak life over each other? What if we begin to speak life over our life groups and over our church and over our schools and over our county and over our city? And we begin to say, you know what? It's not that bad. You know, because we're good at making a mountain out of a molehill, aren't we? We're good at taking something this big and going, oh, my God, my life is over. What if we started going, it's not that big of a deal? It's not that big of a deal. In God's eyes, it ain't nothing. It is what it is. Say la vie. Life is life. We'll take what we got. Whatever. It does not matter. God's got it. I'll handle what I can handle, and I'll let him handle what he can handle. And the truth is, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to build and not kill. I believe that negativity is the language of fear and jealousy. I believe negativity is the language of fear and jealousy. You ever notice that the people that most people talk bad about are usually the ones that are doing what they want to do? It's fear and jealousy. It all kicks in. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Words are indicators of faith and fear. In both faith and fear, believe a future that has not happened yet. One causes us to look up, and the other one causes us to look around. Words are indicators of faith and fear. So that's number two, speak life. Number three is this one. We're going to end on this one. Help them shine. Help them shine. Verse 33 says it like this. There also we saw the Nephilim, or the giants, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. It doesn't say they ever talked to a Nephilim. They never walked up to a giant and said, what do you think about me? Do you think I'm strong? Do you think I can beat your behind? Do you think I can punch you in the kneecap enough until you fall? It says, we were grasshoppers in their sight. Why? Because we were in our sight. We got a lot of giants walking around that are living life like a grasshopper because there's nobody that'll look at them and go, just because you don't think you're good enough doesn't mean everybody else sees you that way. Just because you think you're small doesn't mean everybody else sees you as small. In fact, I think we need to start looking at our kids and go, I see you as a giant. You're going to change the world. I'm getting goosebumps up here. You're going to make a difference. In fact, let me take it from the next generation and tell somebody in this room. You feel like a grasshopper, and you feel like you're less than, and you feel like because of your past, you'll never be good enough, and you can never lead a life group, or you can never make a difference at work, or you can never earn that amount of money, or you can never do that. And I just want you to tell, I want to tell you something. God did not create a victim. He created a victor through Jesus Christ, and I want you to know something. You're more than a grasshopper. You're more than a conqueror. In fact, the Bible says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Stop holding yourself to a standard God's not even holding you to come on the truth is we need to start looking at ourselves and we need to start looking at others and going though they don't agree with me though it's not perfect I am not a grasshopper I am more than a conqueror I am better I am bigger through Jesus Christ I can be everything he says that I can be we've got a generation growing up with no confidence but a lot of arrogance They're not confident in who God told them they could be, but they sure think they're better than anybody else in the room. 
And some of that is in this room too. And I want you to know, I believe in reading my Bible, arrogance is not of God. Confidence is. Confidence is the ability to go, I know who I am. I'm not better than you, but I'm going to be the best me. I know who God told me to be. I know the pastor God told me to be. I know the the husband and the father God told me to be. And I'm going to be that. I'm not arrogant about it. It doesn't make me better than you. It just makes me better than me. Come on, somebody. Let's teach some confidence. Let's speak life. Let's help them shine. You know what I love? Uh, my, my oldest son, We talk, you saw him up here a minute ago. He's about to go into middle school. And we're talking to him about going through Engage right now. Engage is our growth tracks class that helps you uh, learn the culture, the values, and the mission of this church so that you can serve the ministries to the best of your ability and so that we can serve you to the best of our ability. And he's about to go through Engage, and he's got to figure out what, where he wants to serve. You know what I love? It's his time to shine. It's his time to use his talents. Well, he's only in sixth grade. Don't you tell me a sixth grader can't make a difference for the kingdom of God. Don't you tell me a fifth grader can't. The truth is, man, my life is impacted by my kids probably more than my, them, their life is impacted by mine. Y'all, let's help them shine. Let's let them know. I don't care if there's a giant standing in front of you or not. You got a giant inside of you that defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he still holds the keys in his hand right here today, and he's giving you access to everything that he's done. You got this. You're going to be okay. Help them shine. And until, can I just, where I think the lack of confidence comes in is until being sons and daughters of God is enough, being a pastor never will be, being a millionaire never will be, being a CEO never will be, having a position on the stage and a microphone never will be, being an influencer on social media never It'll never be enough until he is enough. Until being his son, being his daughter is enough. And I just need to tell some people in the room today, you're enough for him. You're so much enough that he gave his son because he loves you with everything he's got. And he wants uh, so how do we prepare our kids? I can't tell you how to make your kids listen to everything. I can't teach you con- uh, conflict resolution with your kids because I mess it up. I can't teach you how to make your kid listen to you when you tell them to go to bed so you don't have to say it 15 times. I have to elbow drop my kid every night to go to bed. I can't tell you how to do any of that. I don't know any of that. But what I can tell you is they have a promise. And what I can tell you is they have a future. What I can tell you is we can be the ones that either spread the false report that you're not good enough, you're not big enough, and you'll never inhabit it, or I can be the one that comes along and goes, surely we can overcome it. Surely we can inhabit that. Surely we can do that. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's make this thing happen. Or I can go, hey, it's too big for God. It's too big. And I just got a feeling. I got a feeling. Anyway, I just got a feeling. That the people in this room today, you're ready to spread the good report. You're ready to listen to what God says and not what people see. So let's go out and let's make a difference. Let's train, train ourselves to reach this world today. And let's help train the next generation to reach the world today. Can I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you at this time. If you would, bow your heads for me or with me real quick. we got some team members getting in place to just serve you better. We're just going to pray and... Here's what I'm gonna ask you. If there's anybody in the room, they would go, I need, first and foremost, I gotta give my life to Jesus. Let me do that. Let me ask for forgiveness and give my life to Jesus. 
right now. If that's you and you heard about a God today that loves you where you are, too much to leave you there, and you're ready to submit your life to him, would you just throw your hand up right where you are and go, Pastor, will you pray forgiveness with me and salvation with me? I want to start eternity today with him. Amen. Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you. Thank you that we get to do this life with you. Thank you that you trust us. Thank you that you allow us to make a difference right in this world, that we're here for such a time as this. And God, I just pray right now, God, I'm so excited. I pray anointing and direction over every parent, every teacher, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, anybody that has influence over anybody of the next generation. I pray that you would guide our steps and help us prepare the next generation for the world that we live in. And God, I pray that right now that there's people in this room that need to feel your embrace and your whisper in their spirit to say, you're not a grasshopper. You're enough. I love you. You're more than a conqueror. Whatever they need, God, would you just whisper that in their spirit and let them walk out of here, not just hearing a good message or not just being with amazing people and not just being in an incredible church, but God, let them walk out of here to change the world. God, I love you. I honor you. And I thank you for walking this life with me. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, Radiate, real quick, I want to invite you to come back next Sunday. And here's why. We're starting a brand new series called Make It Count, Creating Impact in Everyday Life. We're going to go through a new series just talking about how can you make your life count? What does it look like to make your life count? We're going to go, go several weeks on that. It's going to be amazing. Be, be here and, and don't come alone. Grab the invites that are on the seat around you or on the way out. Grab those invites. Give them out. It's fall. It is one of the biggest growth seasons. Your friends and family are willing to come right now. Go give those invites out. Let's fill the seats at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch people come to know Jesus and understand they are not grasshoppers. Let's bring as many people as we can and point them to the cross. I love you guys. Hey, Radiate, let's go change the world. I'll see you next Sunday.